And welcome to the Daily Brain Bleed. My name is Jeff. My name's Tucker, and we have our first three-time guest on the pod with us today. One. It's, a, it's the Daily Brain Bleed hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> One Chris McElroy. Yes. Hey, guys. Chris, what's up? Thanks for having me on the show. Glad to be back. Uh, I love being here. This is what I love. I feel like we to. should get you a third-time like chip like you would get at like narc anonymous or something <laughs> three three weeks sober from the daily brain bleed we need to do one of the shticks that we do where we try out new oreos and we'll have them with us and we'll just literally like feed them to you on the zoom call like, <laughs> num 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 yeah it's uh it's weird now like the number of times i use zoom in my daily life has dropped dramatically you know in lieu of you know Things are starting to open back up and the world is beginning to awaken. And so this is like a weird COVID relic that I'm in right now in terms of just, you know, I'm doing a podcast on Zoom and, you know, that's it, a feeling. It's crazy to me. Why why did we not use Zoom before? Why did it take a pandemic for us to go, hey, uh, this is nice to be able to see people's faces when you talk to them. It, right. It's so funny that what Skype has been around for a decade or more, and I don't know if I've brought up this point on the pod before, but the very moment where it could have risen up and like absolutely solidified itself as the standard for this sort of thing, it just choked and died. Like, Well, see, it's interesting the way that all this stuff gets branded because it's like, you know, you have the difference between like Slack and GroupMe, right? Mm -hmm. two, two apps with fundamentally the same features. I mean, Discord kind of is just Skype, but with more features. Um, way back in the day when I used to use Omegle, <laughs> if you uh, if you met somebody on chat roulette and you wanted to keep talking, you would use Uvu, O-O-V-O-O, because it could do bigger group calls than Skype. And this was back in like 2010. So really, the, the landscape for this stuff has been just buck wild from the jump. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, no, I've been doing my uh, Silicon Valley rewatch so just you repeating all of these nonsense words <laughs> as company names is giving me like severe ptsd to, <laughs> to uh, these guys just going through the worst possible names they can think of that will hopefully be catchy when it comes to the consumer thing but the show uh look i'm not in the tech industry but based on what little i read it seems like a shockingly accurate satire shockingly biting satire in a lot of ways yeah chris have you ever watched a single episode of silicon valley i've watched every episode love the show oh that's great yeah. that's good well i'm okay great i'm the outsider this is good <laughs> this is a good yeah. dynamic we like that um i mean i i can contribute to the tech conversation by saying gpus are scarce and ridiculously overpriced because of bitcoin that's all i got um that's my whole we're a crypto pod now we're we're, we're <laughs> a crypto pod now doge to the moon boy. seems like a good time to get into it i guess 
Every, everybody's there, there's searching mi- for Bitcoin pods right now. <laughs> there's missing the wave, and then there's like a tsunami destroyed your entire town, and then you walked outside with a boogie board. Like, and that's us <laughs> to the crypto conversation. Hey, guys, what about Bitcoin? <laughs> guys, we were happy to announce our um, ICO, our initial coin offering for um, Rainbow Coin. And it's useful for nothing. And just, just like, like the pod. Yes. <laughs> it's our brand, baby. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, that's a that's a great conversation to have about cryptocurrency. Do either of you actually hold any money currently in crypto at uh, all? no. Yeah. I think I did at one point, but not. I not I've been a nerd for a while. I got into Bitcoin in like twenty sixteen. Hmm. Oh, yeah. dope. I yeah. You don't it's, still have it, do you? It's the future. Yeah, hodl for life, man. <laughs> I'm never selling. Insert uh, Leonardo meme. I'm not selling. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, um, of course. I, I really believe in Bitcoin, but that's a whole different discussion than what we're here to talk about. That's a discussion but. that we are, and I, by we, I mean Jeff and I, not you. I, I, I believe that you are well-versed in this, but we are shockingly ill-equipped to really suss that out. I really only know the basics. I really only know, like, the horror stories that I read of, like, you know, the guys who have literally millions of dollars worth of crypto and some thumb drive or some whatever and they forgot the password and they have to keep on guessing at the 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 chain or it's going to like be lost forever um but that that's the point it's like the horror stories and i think that um there are people who definitely have an incentive to shit on the whole concept because anything that's new is scary to them and to be honest yeah new things are scary to me but that means i I, i'm self-aware enough of it that i recognize that there might be merit that i just have not really sat down and had the time to explore yet see this is why we don't need black mirror (laughs) <laughs> just literally live in reality for more than five years and then something will happen that you don't understand and you'll get that knee-jerk reaction and you don't have to like tell your friends about it and seem like an elitist you know <laughs> sorry i have some qualms with black mirror fans don't at me I- um speaking of qualms with fans <laughs> oh. tucker <laughs> well i do you want me do you want me to go off of my thing now do oh yeah want, no get in there buddy you, you want me to go off on of my thing how I um, expressed a great deal of pleasure at the fact that um, In the Heights just absolutely choked at the box office this week. Even the relatively low expectations they were setting based on the fact that we're still in the tail end of a pandemic, based on the fact that it's also on HBO Max, it still did not meet those very modest standards and like got maybe half of that. And you know what? Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda fans, BTFO, forever um they're these they are some of the most obnoxious people in the world but they disproportionately write for outlets like buzzfeed and vox and everything so the media (laughs) has to pretend that they're a much bigger deal than they are and they are really the most annoying people um on the internet more annoying i would say than the snyder fans which might uh, set us up for a pivot in this pod here in a moment. Um, I don't know if either of you have pretty have any particularly strong fi- uh, feelings about In the Heights. Um, I mean, my only thing is I I went into it expecting kind of like a dramatization of Wuthering Heights. Ah, 
And so I very much did not get that. There was no Heathcliff. There was no anything. And, uh, you know, that left me really longing for like that kind of uh, that that kind of itch needed scratched. I'm I'm not really a musical guy, musical fan. Uh, I mm. did I did like Hamilton, but in general, I don't like musicals uh, like Grease, High School Musical. I just I don't know. <laughs> I just don't like them. See, my my background in music, it always like really shocks people when I'm like not super into musicals and they're like, oh, why not? But you're like super into music. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I can't get into it. Yeah, because like, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I want my movies to be movies. And if you're going to do opera. Just do a freaking opera or do operetta or do like, you know, do something like that. I, I am not the target demographic for, yeah. hey, what if we took a movie and then just slowed it down with music? Yeah, like it, not my like not my jam. You can like music and not like musicals, you know, like mm -hmm. I it's, and it's just weird to me. I don't know. It's so weird. Musicals have like no plot there. There's like five minutes of plot with a bunch of songs in between the plot. You know, I don't know. I just. It's not my thing, not my bag. Yeah. I mean, I'm not categorically anti-musical. I just have a problem with Lin-Manuel Miranda fans. I'm just <laughs> getting hyper-focused on my little, like, <laughs> pet peeve right now. So. I, mean, I mean, the thing that I will say about Lin-Manuel Miranda fans, because I, I, I do agree largely with your sentiment, it's very big, and say it with me, faithful podcast listeners, adult disney energy it is what it is if you are like so far up hamilton's ass that you like are not capable of having discourse about 18th century american politics because you're just going to quote songs the whole time you suck i'm sorry but you suck and you should you know make some analysis there yeah no, no. uh that's all i got i mean casual hamilton fans are fine yeah, but it's, fine. it's been assimilated to a very unpleasant um side of i think american culture that i frankly want no part in and i don't believe that any red-blooded american <laughs> should want to have part in or blue-blooded for that matter green-blooded hey it's june it's june boys it's pride month yes rainbow-blooded americans rainbow-blooded i'm happy with any sort of american as we're well. pro-blood on this podcast <laughs> daily bleeding <laughs> pro bleeding pro blood um we're actually a bunch of vampires just slowly losing our ability to hold the facade together <laughs> so chris how are things opening back up how are things can you report from the west coast are uh, we still getting a bunch of people running around in mass two days two days from now uh la county is at 100 percent capacity mm. uh, masks are still required everywhere i see uh, and sanitizing everything but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, thing honestly, it, it's kind of back to normal as much as you would think it would be in California. Yeah. California was never normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting seeing like definitely how normal air quotes materializes in California versus say somewhere like Tennessee, because around here you have some businesses where like, you know, the employees aren't even masking anymore. So like we have places where you walk in and you literally, if you just grabbed someone from like 2018 and time warped them to now, they wouldn't be able to tell you anything had changed. Yeah. So, that's I mean, interesting. things have clearly changed here. Like masks are still an outdoor seating and all that is still. Yeah, for sure. But mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see like a movie theater that's full maybe although i don't know if we will uh i, I actually went and saw army of the dead in theaters 
like about a month ago whenever it was playing oh. uh, yeah and it was like a 50, uh i think 75 percent capacity theater but there were only like four people there uh-huh. whoops so. well netflix is notoriously stingy about allowing anything remotely approaching a wide release for any of their films because i think they recognize that they have to do it on some level for award season qualifications or to state some filmmakers demand that they're trying to build a reputation with but they also don't want to do anything that will cut against their core business model so you know it's a weird dance that they have to play but i do remember that army of the dead got something like a semi-wide release uh yeah i i think it it did. I think it got a full mm-hmm. for, for one week, one weekend. It was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not in like small towns, but yeah, like all the major cities, I think, had it. Right. Um, I'm still. Which was honestly probably something to appease Zack Snyder because he loves right. the sure. theatrical experience. And that's the, uh, in a nutshell, as far as I'm aware, that's all of Army of the Dead was to appease right. Snyder get him in the netflix <laughs> wing and uh just make him happy they scooped him up you know there you go um so we might as well just get into it the film that we watched for this week i actually watched it a few weeks back i think i watched it like the the, the day it came out on that friday is army of the dead a a post-apocalyptic action epic directed by one Zack snyder centering on a heist that's uh, meant to get a bunch of money hidden in a vault underneath a zombie-infested Las Vegas before the city is destroyed by a nuclear weapon in order to contain the outbreak. Or is that the whole story? There are a little twi- there are a few twists and turns at certain points in it, but it's really kind of a bare minimum plot meant to put all of these action set pieces around some of which are legitimately uh really good but um i don't think we're going to be able to get too far in the conversation before putting all of our cards on the table here so chris is there anything that you specifically want to say about army of the dead uh full disclosure i worked on the movie i was the production secretary for the la unit uh, which was awesome. It was a great job. I absolutely loved it. Uh, what we were in charge of, basically, the, the L.A. unit, what we shot was um, reshoots. Uh, a big story for Army of the Dead is that it had a former actor in it, Chris D'Elia, who they removed after some accusations against him, and they replaced him with Tig Notaro. Uh, and that is entirely what we were doing on the reshoots was shooting Tig and slapping her in the movie. Yeah. And t- yeah, it's, mm. it's funny. I was reading some of the things afterwards and I don't think she ever actually interacted with anybody on the set or any of the main cast. Right. Um, she was obviously the one uh, flying the helicopter and honestly, even putting aside some of the, uh, the more sordid nature of, um, Christelia's departure I think this might have been like a pretty good move because on its own terms I think that Tignataro actually delivered the best performance as like an actual perform like actually realizing a character of anybody in this movie so uh you know I think that was actually a pretty decent trade at the end of the day I totally agree I thought she was one of the most memorable characters I mean 
there are a in a few, strange like in a strange Bart- way yeah yeah dave bautista's character is obviously like the main guy and you remember him but i think second yeah. to him is tig uh because she's just you don't picture somebody like her in that role i think so it's mm-hmm. so unique and memorable Characters I remember off the top of my head in this film who like left an impression on me: Tignataro, Dave Batista, the German uh, codebreaker, uh, and Sean Spicer and Donna Brazil arguing on the news about I. You know what? Uh, say what you will, I guess, about Sean Spicer and the Trump administration. Uh, he was a good sport for taking like the uh, literally in the context of the movie the pro-fascist concentration camp uh talking head roll let's let's be real since he got out he's been willing to just kind of say the yeah i was i was uh i was not doing great things for a while and so we're gonna play with that a little bit strange amount of good sport out of that guy for sure um the only character outside of tig that i really even remotely cared about was uh what i think the lily the coyote the character who was kind mm. of like the seasoned veteran of taking people in and out of Vegas. Um, and then like the weird bromance between, um, what was his name? Uh, Vander, Vander he, I think I don't remember the character's exact name, but um, him and the German guy. Right. It was before he gets locked in the vault. Right. Which what, how did he get out? He got out because the nuclear bomb, I guess, uh, shook, shook it open. Look, we, we we could we could spend all day talking about like the 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 plot holes here, but honestly, nitp- nitpicking plot holes that's that's beta male energy, and we on the pod we're all sigma males. <laughs> this is uh, I do not endorse this. Uh, no, and um, yeah, so less interesting to me, I guess, than the plot holes. I think are some of the plot threads that. Never particularly, like, they were kind of teased, but never really went anywhere. So, apparently some of the zombies were cyborgs, and... um, Yeah, right? There's a lot of zombie lore behind this. Yes. And apparently um, the zombies were breeding amongst each other and Uh trying to create, like, a new generation of zombie babies. And, I don't know, what's funny about this is you can kind of tell where... So I was, you know, did a little bit of research in the project, and this is something that was kicking around as a script and everything, and Zack Snyder was attached at one point, like, well over 10 years ago, maybe at Warner Brothers, or I forget which studio, but um, the point was there were earlier iterations of this project under consideration with the same basic plot, but apparently at one point it was, and again, you can kind of see remnants of this but they took out the most problematic stuff that the zombies were literally or at least the hyper spartan zombies were um literally kidnapping human women to um rape them and then produce half-breed offspring from them and that's probably good that that was excised but you can tell that there were kind they, they wanted to play with this idea of oh a new generation of smart zombies and for for that sort of thing i i like that the zombie lore was uh better developed than in a lot of stuff because after 10 years or whatever of the walking dead doing absolutely nothing interesting with the concept it's it's fun to see uh it's fun to see someone try to take zombies in a new direction yeah yeah um and i also think the the vegas plot point that that they're it's a heist movie with zombies uh, mm-hmm. was fresh yeah. and fun. 
I mean, my thing is this this movie for me, because as we're talking about it, it's congealing for me, just like how exactly it made me feel. It's like you walk into a restaurant. It's a buffet and you've read the the stuff that's on the buffet and it's literally every favorite food you've ever had in your entire life. Mm -hmm. But then you go to scoop it out and it's one spoonful and it's really mediocre. Mm. That that for me is the whole thing. Zombie heist movie. Oh my God, I want it. Please give it to me. And then you see this and you're like, this doesn't really scratch the itch for me of a zombie heist movie. I, like in my opinion, it didn't. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I give the movie like five out of 10, you know, because I, I do. I think the premise is so good. Yeah. The execution was okay. You know, uh, I, I read the script before, like while I was working on it and I loved the script absolutely loved it thought this is going to be an awesome awesome movie and i think the movie's okay but the script had me like so excited for the movie um because mm -hmm. it's exactly like you said it's, when, when you picture it in your mind it's of a zombie heist vegas movie like you imagine something better than i think what they actually did in the end yeah so my, my thing is, and like, I, I agree with you in that, like the dude, he does know how to block an action scene, right? Like the action in this movie is really pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like watching them shoot the zombies and like you have some moments, right? Where like they're sneaking through all the hibernating zombies. That was really cool. That was on par with stuff that I expect from plot points from video games like The Last of Us, which do phenomenally well with ratcheting tension and doing stuff like that. But for me, it just... You know, like, so for example, you have a lot of these really, really dramatic moments that are supposed to really drive stuff home, like the long scene at the end between Scott Ward and his daughter, right? I literally did not care. I was like, please just shoot him and just yeah. end this two and a half hour experience for me, please. Because they're sitting here having this long contested discussion and it's like, he hasn't talked to you since he killed your mom in front of you. You said you hate him. And now you went on a heist and now all of a sudden he's like your daddy bear cuckoo pachoo. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like there's no narrative consistency there for me. I don't buy it. Whereas like, you know, if you look at, you know, games like the last of us or, you know, some other zombie content where you like really get dug in, like it's the bits of humanity that really sell the zombie stuff. Like you have to have the people to make the apocalypse work in my opinion. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it was big on concept, but light on character. And so, I mean, and, and that's just, that's, you know, that's my thing. Like the, the cinematography, it was gorgeous. It was a very pretty movie. And like, you know, I definitely feel like it had a direction that it was going in I, for sure. I actually, I thought the cinematography was okay. I felt like the... There was a lot of really shallow focus throughout the whole movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. a bit mm -hmm. too much. Um, however, a cool, really cool note about the movie uh, that I don't know if a lot of people know is Zack Snyder was the cinematographer uh, mm. and mm -hmm. and the camera operator. He he like shot it the way like a kid shoots a movie in their backyard when they're making their own family movie. You know that he shot it himself, which is incredible. Like uh robert rodriguez yeah still exactly to this day yeah. you know like uh yeah no um i mean honestly i think there are a lot of movies that really kind of shoehorn in um 
family tension or interpersonal tension or relationship tension in order to humanize the stakes for these um, massive high concept sci-fi scenarios that really it, it was not needed. You know, um, like I think a constant uh, like um, criticism of the, at least the recent um, Godzilla movies is that there are way too many human characters to keep track of and nobody wants to see that. Everyone just wants to watch like Godzilla and King Kong duke it out on the screen. Big right. Bunker. And um, that that's the same thing with like Army of the Dead. It's not so much that that I was craving some hypothetical perfect um, version of this movie that had perfectly w- realized uh, father-daughter dynamics between Dave Batista and um, Ella Purnell, I think. I just wanted them to focus more on the zombie stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't need that. I wanted more of like the zombie tiger mauling the guy. That's that was that, incredible. Yes, so well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It was gruesome as hell. Not everything has to be high art, you know, so... No, but the thing is, if you're going to do a two-and-a-half-hour film... Yes. ...and devote that amount of screen time to developing your characters, you got to fucking sell it. Jeff, you were asking me last week what things I would want to see reimagined as Quibbies. If, <laughs> <laughs> if this had been, like, a solid, like, miniseries of, like, ten Quibbies... It would have been awesome, you know? Just the good stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that, that, the opening sequence where you actually see the zombies take down Las Vegas, that was some of the best, like, zombie battle scenes I've ever seen in anything, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you need some number of characters to be zombie chow. Yeah, mm. but... Um, I don't know if they need to be humanized to the degree that I think a lot of people want them to yeah. be. I don't know. Well, I mean, at the end of the movie, there's a spoiler. Um, everybody <laughs> becomes zombie chow, you know? Yes. Which, which was why I found it interesting that he added so many characters. Um, because if they're all going to get eaten anyway at the end, like you don't have to have X amount of characters to get killed and X amount to live. Like if they're all going to die, just have the ones you need and have them die at the right moment, you know? Yeah. And if you have fewer characters, you get to flesh them out in ways that feel more authentic and natural. Cause they just have more time on screen to grow on you. Like in the beginning of this film, when they started putting the cast together, as each successive person was added over and over and over again, I felt myself just becoming neutralized to the idea of their presence because by the time they actually head into the city, there's like what? 12? 15 like there's a bunch of them just kind of all smashed together yeah and a lot of a lot of them are essentially the same character you know yeah they Mm -hmm. they try to give them all a little quirk but um not none of them really have quirks that are as memorable as like tig's character had you know I think one of the characters who does work the best in in his tick's work and everything was what's the name of the uh, the the German guy, either the character or the actor? It doesn't. Uh, Dieter. Dieter. Mm-hmm. Dieter works. Dieter is great, and his Wagner thing. Yes. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. And and what's funny to me is that sight unseen, Netflix actually committed to making a spinoff movie about this character directed by the guy starring himself. And so that's, <laughs> that's in the, I think that's actually in production. They're doing like, like I th- a whole universe based around this. There, there's an anime series coming out. There's a prequel. Oh. 
movie. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, the, I said I mentioned this earlier. The whole thing, I believe, is just because Netflix sees that Zack Snyder is looking for a studio and they mm-hmm. want to be that studio. And he's been trying to get this movie made for since since uh, Dawn of the Dead came out. Yeah. Uh, this was this was going to be like his follow up initially uh, and it didn't mm-hmm. work out and nobody would make the movie. And then Netflix was like, hey, uh, we heard you're not working with Warner Brothers anymore. Do you have anything you want to make? And this was what he came to them with. Uh, and we can talk. Yeah, we can talk about Zack Snyder's career arc uh, in more detail. But I think it also speaks broadly to, as you said, sight unseen without this movie even having premiered yet. They greenlit and started production on an anime spinoff, a prequel, all all the whole nine yards. And they're probably going to, if this has remotely good metrics, they're probably going to like have a direct sequel to it at some point. The, the plot yeah. threads are there. Um, and it speaks to the fact that Netflix is just um, dying to build any sort of big franchises that they have. And this has been my position for a while that, um, Netflix's long-term weakness vis-a-vis Disney, Warner Brothers, whoever, is their relative weak, like, backlog of IP, of brands that people go back to, like the Marvels and the Star Wars and the DC Universe and all that. So now they're scrambling to try to turn everything into a franchise, uh, like, out of the gate, you know? And I think that was a big reason that uh, Jupiter's Legacy didn't go anywhere uh, because that was they were obviously trying to tee that up to be the whole Miller world cinematic universe that everybody was dying for. But people don't want, I think, a cinematic universe just to have a cinematic universe. They want something based on something they have some level of pre-existing uh, attachment to. So not to say that these are all going to fail. It's just going to like rely on the quality of the thing coming out, you know? Yeah. See, I I wish Netflix would just embrace their role as kind of the Statue of Liberty of weird, mildly high production content where it's like, bring me your weird docuseries that's been turned down by everybody and I'll throw you like 200K to do it. I'm not going to give you a lot of money, but like, yeah, produce it. We'll host that. Why not? And like just that mass conglomerate of just random ass content, because that's how you wind up with some really good gems in my opinion. And people are sensationalist enough that like every time Netflix releases something, it shoots to the top 10 on Netflix almost instantly because people are like, Oh, new content. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, they can either keep vying with these traditional media houses the way that they are or that they want to, or they can just steer into the fucking skid and just get dirty with the (laughs) content. And I'm, I'm here for that. I they might be doing that. There there's been some interesting stuff released recently. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to think what was uh Bo Burnham's new comedy special yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. was Which has gone over really well. People it love was it. Art, man. I mean that it was weird and out there, but <laughs> it was good. Uh mm-hmm. I'm glad Netflix was like, hey, we want to put this out there. Speaking of franchises, I remember them, uh, it was announced recently that they were doing an anime um, samurai fantasy film where it was like a buddy cop dynamic between an elf and an orc who were both samurais. And it's like, on the surface, that could be an interesting concept, but then they said, oh, and it's also set in the same universe as Bright. And (laughs) I thought, well, 
like what why what like what why did this need to be like I get that everything needs to be a franchise but why why couldn't this have just been set in a generic fantasy setting like one Will Smith movie by itself does not a franchise make at least at least wait until like the direct sequel to bright before I think you go uh throwing all these things out uh, it's just, again, everything has to be a franchise now. I get that. It's just that, um, there are some weird stretches going on with Netflix as to what is going to be connected to another thing. Yeah. True, true. Um, so if we're cool with that, I'd like to pivot a little bit into talking about a little, you know, some of the Zack Snyder filmography a bit, mm-hmm. um, just because out of curiosity and, you know, full disclosure, I, as someone, you know, before I started doing a podcast where I needed to know off the top of my head what films someone had made, Mm -hmm. I didn't really pay that much attention to, oh, this guy did this and this and this and like connect the connect the lines like that. Mm -hmm. So I pulled up his uh, just like, you know, a quick glance of his filmography over the last couple of years. And uh, it was very revealing for me because I was like, oh, you know, now I can see, you know, kind of like the invisible red string going through. uh a lot of movies that I'd seen but hadn't put together were all Snyder joints. So um, does anyone have any big opinions on any of this stuff before we just... I guess the big thing you have to know about Zack Snyder is that... His um, name is Zack. And (laughs) uh, he's apparently, from all I know, and I'm not an industry insider, you know, so take it with a grain of salt, but he's legitimately one of these guys in Hollywood who is actually a pretty decent guy like on a personal level just to interact with um and he's just passionate about what he's passionate about but it's always like a very specific sort of high concept action fantasy or action sci-fi thing and his first big movie was dawn of the dead but i think what really put him on the map was 300 and it's weird thing 300 that's like almost a period piece of where America's psyche was in the middle of the 2000s, you know, because yes, it was about ancient Greece, but everyone was thinking about it as like a weird war on terror kind of analogy, which is probably why it did so well at the box office. It was also cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Like like it's a cool movie, you know? Yes. Like every 13 year old to 18 year old boy is going to love that movie. Yeah, no, like that, if you just get that many yolked dudes yeah. in the same studio and just like, all right, just go at it. We're going to slow-mo everything. Exactly. We're going to put oil on you. Like, it's it's weird in the amount that it wasn't treated homoerotically as it was. Because <laughs> there's a lot of just ripped dudes with their muscles out in slow motion. Like, it's a little it's a little that way. I, I think um, there's an <laughs> SNL skit that pokes fun at that yeah. about, like, uh, like, don't ask, don't tell in the Spartan army. Yeah, I, I remember they're all obviously gay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember like in the production for justice league, somebody trying to make a big stink about some of the behind the scenes photos of the, uh, the Amazons and how some of their outfits were too revealing. And in a lot of other contexts, I would concede that, you know, 
yeah, perhaps women are objectified too much in Hollywood, but in the hands of Zack Snyder specifically, like everybody gets objectified, you know, like oh, everybody he- is, he wants to shoot as like the perfect Greek God or goddess, you mm-hmm. know? So it's, so it's hard to get worked up and assume that Zack Snyder has like lavicious intentions here. I think it's more just, he, he wants to like shoot the human body in a very specific way. And it's just all, you know? Yeah. Maybe he's just a generically dirty boy. He just wants everybody to come in and get sweaty and <laughs> do stuff on camera. <laughs> he's just a little freaky. Yeah, good for him. You know, good for him. We, we Hey, as long as everybody feels okay and comfortable in the room while it's happening, you know, hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We're not here to yuck any yums on this podcast. Um, the thing that I will yuck, uh, Sucker Punch, that movie. I didn't see Sucker Punch. I'm not going to lie. I saw the promotional material for it, and it aesthetically is still one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. It's insane how, like, good the aesthetic concept for that film is. But it sucks to watch it because it's bad. And it's just like, damn it, Zach. I I think that's how a lot of people... There are two camps. There's either you're a Snyder head and you just praise the ground he walks on, or you're in the other camp that thinks, man... The quality of his films is great, but I hate the stories he's telling, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are also, like, definitely Zack Snyder haters out there. For sure. For sure. I and, I fall... I'm a Snyder head. I don't... I did not tweet, release the Snyder Cut or anything, but I really was looking forward to <laughs> it and loved it when it came out. Uh, and I... Mm-hmm. I've said this uh, before on the pod. I think the first episode I was on... Uh, I talked about George Lucas and how I love the prequel trilogy for Star Wars because it's unashamedly George Lucas's movie, you know, Mm -hmm. and for the same reason, I'm a big Snyder fan because I think every movie he makes is his movie, a hundred percent, except obviously Justice League, the, uh, you know, the The original. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the Snyder cut is unashamedly his movie, his art at a just massive scale. And that's something very All rare four to hours see. and two minutes of that runtime yeah. are nothing but pure Zacky boy. I could have loved another two hours of it. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I, so, okay. So working on army of the dead, I interacted with him one time. Uh, mm. it was a conference oh, call. Cool. I didn't actually meet him face to face, but, uh, we were just not me. I was just listening. I didn't have a say in anything. Uh, but I was listening in to him talking to all the department heads about how they were going to shoot this stuff with TIG and how they had shot it initially, like months ago. And you could just hear the passion in his voice and know, like, he deeply cared about this movie and saw it as art and saw it as his baby. And he knew everything about it, the ins and outs, every single thing. And I get the feeling that that's why people love to work with him. And that's why studios keep making his movies, despite the polarization, is because he is just such a genuine person and is unashamedly himself uh, that you can't help but get excited about it when you're working on it. And so and I think that's why his fans love him. I think that's why you have these passionate fans, because they know that he's going to feed them the next Zack Snyder joint and it's going to be exactly what they're they're craving, you know? It, it's going to do what it says on the tin every time because on the tin, it literally just says, this is Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
Snyder haters are some of the most obnoxious, joyless people in the world. And I also get the sense that they're disproportionately um, Lin-Manuel Miranda fans. So <laughs> that makes them that makes them doubly unlikable to me. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You don't have to like worship the ground that he walks on or think that he's infallible. But he's clearly one of the most stylistically gifted directors that we have making mainstream films right now so it, it's really weird to me when you see people get worked up in their dislike of him because even his um bad movies and i think i can go ahead and say that like the theatrical uh cut of batman v superman not a good movie but it was like it's i i judge movies on two metrics two metrics good and bad and interesting and not interesting. And it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting bad movie. And like compared to Captain America Civil War, which came out at around the same time, it was definitely more interesting a movie than the technically superior Captain America Civil War, which was trying to do a similar thing. And that's the reason why I kind of go back to Batman v Superman in my mind more often. You know, it sticks with me. Not always in a good way, but in a way that's like undeniable in its energy, you know? He truly embodies the Jack Sparrow philosophy of, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of, but you have heard of me. (laughs) That's that's Zack Snyder. Because, I mean, like, I fall squarely in the camp that uh, you said earlier, Chris, where it's like, you know, I recognize that these are, like, good concepts happening in front of me, and I enjoy the concepts, but I don't like watching the movies. That's me for a lot of these, just because, like, honestly, you know, I think about, you know, again, I've I've watched Sucker Punch three times, unfortunately, because it's so interesting, but it's bad, um, like, <laughs> which is such a weird, a weird thing. But like, you know, you, you can look at like Aquaman. You well, can he look produced at, Aquaman. Like a lot of the movies on your IMDb list right there are movies he produced. He produced, yeah. not directed. Yeah. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just there. There are definitely some misses. Uh, when it comes to his filmography. And I think that there is an academically appropriate way to say, this is not good. I'm glad you did it, but this is not good. <laughs> um, you know, and that's that's kind of where I stand pretty squarely on some of it. But there, there definitely is good to be wrung from it. And the idea that you do have this just kind of like genuinely passionate dude getting the work he deserves because he puts in the work and is, you know, good and humble about it. Like, you know, that's not a story you hear every day in Hollywood. And so that's, you know, that is super dope to know that. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I would work on a Zack Snyder film again in a heartbeat. Um, just cause I know I would also work on a Zack Snyder <laughs> film in a heartbeat. I live in Tennessee and have no film experience, but I would also, um, Try Zack Snyder, come on the pod. You, you know, what would be really cool. I've actually don't steal my ideas, but this is an idea I've had for a while, <laughs> uh, is like a Zack Snydery movie that meets uh fast and furious about a moonshiner in the 1930s god bless uh anyway i'm gonna make that movie one day hopefully uh but i mean maybe i'll, I'll tell you Snyder's the truth listening, he can steal it and shoot it in east tennessee and work with you yeah, guys let me let me lay out the screenplay for this the moonshiners they have to get down to like either miami or new orleans to meet up with the mob mm-hmm. who are like um uh, they're selling all of this bootleg liquor too, so they can get it to their uh, big run criminal operation. But on the way, um, they are running into like 
a bunch of trouble, right? That they're always escaping in the very nick of time. It's a very uh, anthologized movie in that sense. And one of the elements in the 1920s who they run afoul of are the Klan, right? Who were big in the South at the time, obviously. And so they're on their trail the whole time. And the movie ends with them getting to the mob in like New Orleans or Miami or wherever and getting them the booze. But then the Klan shows up and there's a massive shootout between the mafia and the clan and the, our protagonists are just caught in the crossfire and that's how it plays Dude, out. We, we should write this Tucker. This, yes. And then also the we, mafia are somehow cultists just a little bit. Yes. And there are 15 hillbillies with names <laughs> and backstories. Like it's a big, we, like red dead redemption Two style cast. I think, uh, we call the movie white lightning. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, I imagine a scene where a guy like pours a bunch of moonshine with a funnel uh, directly into the back of his car as he's running from the cops. And it just gives him like like NOS boost kind of. Yeah. And that's that's mm-hmm. the movie poster or the, the trailer moment where he, he pours it in his car shoots off and then white lightning, you know. <laughs> the movie begins with him wrestling a bear in the mountains of Tennessee <laughs> who he doesn't kill, but he, you know, like lets live as like a sign of his respect. And toward the end of the movie, he's like fighting an alligator in the swamps <laughs> of either Florida or Louisiana. And just the moment when the crocodiles or whatever is about to chomp down on his head, the bear, the bear from earlier comes to <laughs> save him. Right. Because he knew instinctively that the guy was in danger. And so we have a massive bear alligator fight. I'm going to clip this little session and send it to every Hollywood C-suite I can find <laughs> and just be like, this is the kind of heat that you could have coming out of your writer's room, boys. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to get this while it's hot because it, it ain't gonna stay on the market for long <laughs> or actually get this while it's cold because it's only gonna get colder <laughs> so uh that's that was a little peek into uh i guess the the soon-to-be-coming film collaboration um called white lightning white lightning starring uh timothy chalamet yes and <laughs> uh, it's technically a period piece it would work yeah yeah sure um and Chris Pratt as the bear. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing any CGI at all for the entire film. It's all either practical or people in suits. <laughs> just, just like Wizard of Oz makeup on Chris oh, Pratt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like the, the ending scene from Midsommar where the dude's in the bear. <laughs> but it's just Chris Pratt. <laughs> and we put him in the bear. Um Lord have mercy. Anyway. That, there's a there's a film. There's a director we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, so um, back to Zack Snyder, I guess. So yeah, so Zack Snyder. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, what's army? What's your favorite Zack Snyder movie? And do you love a Zack Snyder movie? To question to both of you. I legitimately like um, Zack Snyder's. Justice League, the Snyder Cut, all four hours. Um, I would watch that again if I have the time ever, which is doubtful, but like legitimately, it's a very good movie. I feel like that's a little unfair, though, because he's inherently being judged on kind of an unfail, unfair standard of nobody traditionally gets to release mm-hmm. the four-hour cut they have in their mind just with completed special effects and everything. So... 
going down that route just kind of makes me think of other directors of big blockbuster movies and what the four hour version in their head looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say uh, the Snyder Cut is probably the best Zack Snyder movie that I've seen. Um, did he actually direct original Wonder Woman or was he just a producer? Just he producer. just produced ah, uh, Patty Jenkins. Directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, yeah. no, no, no. You're right. You can see his hand in it, though, for sure. For sure. Well, film. so uh, Wonder Woman's first appearance cinematically was Batman versus Superman. So he yeah. kind of gave Wonder Woman her original feel within that series. You know, the mm-hmm. music uh, that played the... That was like a Zack Snyder idea. The... The style of Wonder Woman was very Zack Snyder E esque, yeah. I guess. The slow mo, sure, you know. Yeah, no, it's just, it definitely you you could feel a little bit of his fingerprints mm-hmm. kind of around on that one. I mean, in that case, I'd say my my favorite OG because I've never seen I've full disclosure I've never seen the full Snyder cut. Couldn't make myself sit down to watch it. Um, and then obviously it's not um. It's not Army of the Dead, so <laughs> probably going to have to go to Sucker Punch, hmm. even though... Uh, well, so I, I never saw Watchmen either. Uh, oh, um, actually, now that I, I think about it, if I'm judging like Watchmen by the same standard as Justice League, and I'm thinking of the ultimate cut of Watchmen that was released and I saw, I might have to say Watchmen. I was going to say, I, I think, and this is why I'm a Snyderhead, I think when he's given full control, I loved the Watchmen director's cut, and I loved Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, two yeah. really great superhero movies with fully fleshed out characters with some mm-hmm. really interesting themes and concepts. Obviously you need that for Watchmen because it's such a heavy story. Sure. And I don't know of any, uh, any director that could have handled the story with the approach he took and done it so well. That makes me want to see him get licensed to do like a full multi-season long form TV drama kind of deal yeah because like the action doesn't lend itself quite as well to that medium but you can still get good action in that scene you know like mm-hmm. daredevil or whatever but like you know him with that type of time to do what he wants to do did you because um, he, he he obviously likes to take up a minute that's not you know that's not news to anybody but mm-hmm. did you watch uh the watchman tv show on hbo max Mm-mm. so i mean he's not involved in that but you can see they definitely were influenced by him heavily. Uh, they definitely, yeah. they, they're true to the comic, but they also do a lot of things that are like, oh, well, that was actually a Zack Snyder idea from, yeah. from his Watchmen movie, you know? It's funny because it, it doesn't work as a direct sequel to the Zack Snyder version of the story if for no other reason than for instance that they kept the 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 squid as the big thing that destroyed (laughs) the city from the comics but i actually thought that was a way and i don't know if this was snyder the screenwriter or whoever who ultimately came up with this idea but i think that was a way they improved the story in um the watchman film by blaming this all on dr manhattan and i think resonated more with the themes of the story and i i legitimately actually think you could argue is an improvement upon the Alan Moore comic, but you know, I, I say that I a hundred percent agree. I, I mean, I love the comic, uh, the comics oh, amazing. Yeah. One of the best comics ever made, but I thought mm-hmm. that was first off, if you've read the comic, it's always a little boring to watch a movie based on a comic that, you know, the ending to. So 
mm-hmm. really impressive that they were able to change the ending. So that's a twist I wasn't expecting as a viewer uh, and do it in a way that I liked, you know, in a way that I was like, oh, that actually might be better than the comics ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Bring this all back to Army of the Dead just as a final kind of consensus on it. If you're a zombie guy, honestly, you've probably had a pretty big drought for the past couple of years anyway. Again, Walking Dead kind of sucks now. And even if you liked it beforehand, we have to admit that it's not in its golden age. Um, you, you're going to find a lot to like about Army of the Dead. If you're a Snyder fan, all the stuff's there. If you just want some good action just to, you know, have on the TV while you're doing something. It's it's there, you know. I'm not gonna argue it's gonna win any Oscars, but honestly, it's a this we should have all sorts of different movies in the world, and for what it is, I think it works pretty well. Yeah. No, I mean, I like I said, I land on a five out of ten about it. Not my cup of tea, but that doesn't mean it's bad, you know. I can I can remove mm-hmm. myself from that. I think so. I'll I'll check out the prequels, sequels. You know, I might mm-hmm. same same way I checked out Walking Dead, stuck with it for a couple seasons. I don't know if it gets boring. If it gets lame, I'll get out. But I'm I'm not against a franchise based around this. Sure. Is it bad that the second you said if it's lame, I'll get out? I heard like, <laughs> <laughs> like the the music from uh, what is it? Us. I thought you would have said get out, you know. But well, yeah, that sure. Works. But <laughs> that one that the music from Get Out's not as iconic. Okay, fair enough. It wasn't memed as hard. Um. Fun fact: When I saw um, I, I, when I saw us, uh, that is the name of the movie, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I saw that in theaters, and that moment actually happened, I'd been so conditioned to laugh at the score <laughs> that when that massive moment happened, I literally chuckled in the theater, <laughs> and people looked at me like I was a sociopath because that is a pretty weird thing to do. But yeah, no, that was a very uncomfortable moment for me. I uh, I like shrunk back into my seat and ate some popcorn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us to talk about a movie and offer a little, you know, inside insight into that. You know, I definitely it, it was interesting to hear, you know, like the role that y'all played out there and like the making of the movie and how that fit in and everything, just because I never would have thought that that's how that worked at all. So that's you know, that's cool to get that type of uh, that type of perspective. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, uh, you know, I like talking about movies. <laughs> Especially ones that I work on. It's a little nepotistic. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Have an undead heist. See ya. See ya.